Well, well, here we are. I want to congratulate you for being on time. It is now 7.06. You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to think about why you're here. Ponder the error of your way. Not talk. Will not move. And you will not sleep. I'm Grady Hendrix, author of the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, and you're in Saturday School. Today's lesson: Hopping Vampires. The Chinese vampire is called the Zhang Shi, which literally translates as stiff corpse. And just like the Greek Vrikolakas is part vampire, part werewolf, the Zhang Shi is kind of a vampire, but also kind of a zombie. It's confusing. Originally, the term Zhang Shi referred to the unloved corpses of traitors, abandoned and left to rot by their families after they've been executed by the first Qin emperor, ruler and founder of China's original dynasty, and a notorious tyrant. Later, Zhang Shi came to refer to any traitor's corpse. But stories of Jiangxi didn't get super popular until the Qing Dynasty, which was full of stories about flying, running, hopping, and blood-sucking Jiangxi that sometimes even had sex with living humans. The Qing Dynasty was China's last dynasty, starting in the 17th century and ending around 1912, which means modern Chinese vampires were getting their moment in the spotlight around the same time as the first vampires in the West were becoming media sensations. In most ways, old-timey China was pretty much exactly like old-timey Europe, except they had more people and a stronger centralized government, and a national postage system, and movable-type printing, and paper money, and spinning wheels, and gunpowder and canals with lock systems, and porcelain, and compasses, and an entire advanced philosophical culture, along with the literary and written culture that spread the entire country, and a single writing system and language. I mean... Okay, by 1100, the population of London was 15,000 people, while the population of Kaifeng, China's capital, was just about a million people, but, you know, otherwise, totally and completely identical. In China, the most common way to kill a vampire was to burn them, just like in the West. But in the 1660s, the Qing emperor decided everyone needed to respect their ancestors more and stop burning them, because how could you respect a pile of ashes that smelled like bacon? Oh, bacon. One reason vampire tales might have popped up in the Qing is because suddenly, corpses were everywhere, thanks to a belief in feng shui, which meant that you didn't want to bury your dead dad in some lame location for losers, so you'd keep him around until you could afford a really good burial plot in a sweet location. Sometimes you'd wind up keeping mom's mummy for decades until you could afford that sweet site, or the right lucky date for a burial presented itself. Other times, a family that hit the jackpot would dig up Uncle Carl's cadaver to move it to a more auspicious location. So many stiffs were being shuffled around that the emperor tried to ban this backward habit of suspicion ending the funeral and withholding the burial, but people ignored it. They wanted their relatives to rest in the most radical peace ever. Just like in the West, where vampires were blamed for plagues, in China, they got blamed for droughts. Dehydrated peasants would dig up corpses and find the one that was the most mummified and burn it, seeking to destroy the drought at its source. The image we have of Chinese vampires comes right out of Hong Kong movies from the 1980s, which used these Qing Dynasty tales for inspiration. 
So, in these films, their corpses are dressed in Qing finery and they hop after their prey, too stiff for rigor mortis to bend their arms or legs, kind of like blood-hungry pogo sticks looking for a meal. The only people who can defeat them are hard-hitting Taoist priests who fight them with rice sieves, date pits, yellow paper amulets pasted to Zhongqi foreheads, cherry wood swords, and the urine of virgin boys. Also, sticky rice. As much as Western vampires, China's hopping vampires are movie stars! They had appeared in a few flicks before 1980, but usually they were criminals disguised as hopping vampires, not actual hopping vampires. So really, the first and most famous flick to feature Zhang Shi was portly Sammo Hung's Encounter of the Spooky Kind in 1980, which features a few scenes of a hacked off Zhang Shi kicking Sammo Hung's butt. But Sammo made The Hopping Vampire the solo star of the show in 1985 with Mr. Vampire. A big hit, the unstoppable Mr. V spawned a host of at least 31 copycat films that offered increasingly weird and random variations on the theme, before it all came crashing to an end in 1992 with The Musical Vampire, the last true Hopping Vampire movie on record. What was Mr. V's bulletproof recipe? Number 1. The One-Eyebrowed Priest a stern Taoist priest, usually played by stuntman Lam Cheng Ying, who had been Bruce Lee's stunt double, Lam's monobrow is desperately in need of plucking in the Mr. Vampire movies. Rather than spending his time in peaceful contemplation of nature like most Taoists, he keeps himself busy playing an endless game of whack-a-mole with hop-along corpses that refuse to stay in the ground. Ingredient number two, two stupid assistants. <laughs> Lam Cheng Ying's one-eyed-browed priest would actually have a pretty great life if he was able to find good help, but the only people who ever respond to his Taskrabbit ads are, as one rival snarks in The Ultimate Vampire, maybe stupid or foolish or even idiot. There's always a dumb, cowardly assistant who's ugly and a cocky, handsome one who knows Kung Fu. In Mr. Vampire, the dummy was played by Hong Kong's enormously famous er-dummy, Ricky Hui, but he kept his repeat performances to a minimum because he was, you know, a big movie star alongside his brothers Michael and Sam. The cocky Kung Fu Kid was originally played by Chin Su Ho, who would go on to play the same part in at least five more Hopping Vampire films before starring in the 2013 Hopping Vampire reboot, Rigor Mortis, playing himself. Ingredient number three. Billy Lau. Proof that there is no God, Billy Lau's mere existence constitutes a war crime. Cast as the self-aggrandizing police captain in Mr. Vampire, it proved to be an unfortunate choice on producer Sammo Hung's part because it meant that Lau, who would probably strangle puppies if there was a paycheck on the other end of it, uses that fame to show up in Mr. Vampire 2, Mr. Vampire 3, Haunted Cop Shop 1, Haunted Cop Shop 2, Vampire vs. Vampire, Here Comes a Vampire, Vampire Settle on Police Camp, Vampire Kids, Mr. Vampire 1992, and 2013's Rigor Mortis. Just how horrifying is Billy Lau? You can get a good sense of his obnoxious, overbearing, shrieky scream presence by looking at the names of the characters he's played. Chicken, Fatty, Sneaky Ming, Lazybone, and Landlord. Ingredient number four, Pretty Lady Ghost. Perhaps to balance out the horrifying fact that we inhabit a loveless world in which Billy Lau was not smothered in the cradle, the gods decided that all hopping vampire movies must also include a pretty lady ghost. She is never a vampire, and she doesn't hop. Instead, she usually shows up in a separate subplot to seduce the cocky young assistant, giving everyone a timeout for some nonsense kung fu sex comedy. 
The ranks of Pretty Lady Ghost include Carrie Ng, Ultimate Vampire, Moon Lee, Mr. Vampire 1 and 2, Pauline Wong of Mr. Vampire 2, 3, and 4, Return of the Evil Fox, and Tiffany Lau from Vampire vs. Vampire and Here Comes a Vampire. What's the best aphrodisiac? Oysters? Caviar? In China, it's being chased by a hopping vampire. While Lam Ching-Ying's one-eyebrow priest flees in terror at the first sign of human sexuality, his two assistants walk around with perma-boners, lusting after every single woman they see, be she living, dead, or in the act of ripping off her head and throwing it at them. Juno Mack, director of the So Serious It Might Pop a Blood Vessel 2013 reboot, Rigor Mortis, said in an interview, I wanted to be more concentrated on the drama rather than lame, cheesy jokes. Which means he totally misunderstands the entire hopping vampire genre, because 40% of any hopping vampire movie is made up of nothing but lame, cheesy jokes. Hopping vampire movies overflow with pee-pee, poo-poo, booby, butt, and kissing gags. They're the kind of movies where Carrie Ng's pretty lady ghost possesses Chin Su Ho and causes him to instantly grow breasts as big as weather balloons that allow him to float up into the air and over a wall. Those are the ingredients. Now, what can we do with them? First, I need to point out that while the same gruesome crew is responsible for most of Hong Kong's hopping vampire movies, actors Lam Cheng Ying, Chin Su Ho, Pauline Wong, and Moon Lee, producer Sam Oh Hung, and director-slash-actor-slash-war criminal Billy Lau, in Taiwan, an equally dedicated crew of cinematics craftsmen turned out the four Hello Dracula movies about a hopping child vampire who farts on everyone. In a wildcard move, Hong Kong stole this child character for Mr. Vampire 2 and Vampire vs. Vampire, meaning that we now live in a world where Hong Kong movies for seven years regularly featured miniature hopping vampire kids playing baseball with human hearts and breakdancing. I'm sorry. I only watched a fraction of the hopping vampire movies out there, but I'm here to report back on what I found. And first, let's talk about the best, the Mr. Vampire franchise, and vote on their class superlatives. Welcome to... The Class of Mr. Vampire. Voted most likely to succeed, Mr. Vampire, Class of 1985. The first and still the best hopping vampire movie, Mr. Vampire offers the most thrills and the least pee-pee jokes, which turns out to be the golden ratio. It also contains Sam Oh Hung and Jackie Chan's Chinese opera school buddy Yun Hua as the titular vampire. <laughs> Yun wouldn't play a vampire again until uh, Mr. Vampire 4, which is too bad because his performance is so ferociously physical that the sight of his hopping, unstoppable vampire king makes the laughter kind of die in your throat. Set piece stacks up on top of set piece as assistants are possessed, villagers turn into vampires, graves turn stinky, pretty lady ghosts switch sides, and Lam Ching Ying's one-eyebrowed priest tries to keep this teetering Jenga tower of plot complications from toppling over into chaos. Voted most potential. Mr. Vampire 2, Class of 1986. Because it trades in stupid kung fu assistant Chin Su Ho for Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung's opera school little brother Yun Biao, and because it updates the Republican-era action to modern-day Hong Kong, and also because it features rocket launchers versus hopping vampires, you'd think that Mr. Vampire 2 is the greatest motion picture ever made. No. Scientists sit around way too much sipping juice boxes and engaging in an unforgivably long debate over whether hopping vampires are human remains or antiques. Billy Lau plays the lead role in a performance guaranteed to make your children scream, cry, and beg to be sent to bed early. Lam Ching Ying and Yun Biao don't even show up until the 40-minute mark, although to be fair, at that point they do engage in a very long, very strange action sequence involving two hopping vampires, one paper talisman that can freeze one of them at a time, and a jar of, quote, retardant that makes everyone move in slow motion. 
Foundation. A lot of the running time is given over to a ripoff of E.T. the Extraterrestrial, with a hollow Dracula child vampire standing in for E.T. and befriending some juicy human children in an endless subplot. But the last 20 minutes sweep away any concerns over its place in Hong Kong movie heaven as the two hopping adult vampires go on a bouncy rampage through modern-day Hong Kong, the SWAT team is called into action, and Lam Cheng Ying dispenses meta-dialogue like, My master Samo had spooky encounters, now he's met the dead and the deadly, and last year I caught a Mr. Vampire. My name is Lin Ching Yang. Voted Wackiest. Mr. Vampire 3. Class of 1987. Featuring exactly zero hopping vampires, Mr. Vampire 3 does however feature comedian Richard Ng turning into a giant chicken and getting his butt rubbed by a ghost, so it does have its virtues. Basically, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners given the Hong Kong treatment with Richard Ng playing a fake Taoist priest who cons the gullible with the assistance of a father-son ghost team who travel inside his umbrella, he comes across a village terrorized by a witch and her unstoppable minions who want to rip off everyone's heads and beat them to death with their own skulls. Since the village population includes Billy Lau, you can understand the urge. Nevertheless, Lam Ching Ying is on hand to serve up some sweet action scenes and to dispense with all the black dog's blood, cherry boy urine, and yellow paper talisman that proper ghost disposal calls for. Sam Hung makes his only on-screen appearance in the series as a waiter who sings Happy Birthday right before Lam Ching Ying gets punched in the face with a wooden fist on a spring, and Richard Ng winds up deep-frying a ghost and then gets chased around by the beer-battered phantom while it makes Donald Duck noises. This movie also contains the only political commentary of the entire series when Richard Ng tells his spooky companion Companions, opposites don't coalesce. What about one country, two systems? The ghost zings back, referring to Hong Kong's proposed post-97 governmental system of self-rule under mainland China. Then someone farts. In the world of Mr. Vampire, that's about as political as it gets. Voted most likely to kick ass. Mr. Vampire 4, class of 1988. Yunhua returns, and his return is heralded with a blast of rip-roaring action. Lam Cheng Ying is absent with his role taken by Anthony Chan, who made a cameo as a Taoist priest with a group of corpses being led back to their homelands to be buried at the very end of the opening credits of the first Mr. Vampire movie, so it's a nice nod to continuity in the Mr. Vampire universe that here he plays the lead. He's a grumpy, crotchety Taoist vampire buster who lives next door to Wu Ma, playing a Buddhist ghostbuster. It's Taoism versus Buddhism. Chin Su Ho's little brother, Chin Kar Lok, takes on the Chin Su Ho role of dumb kung fu assistant this time around, and the first half of the movie is a series of supernatural grudge matches between the feuding Taoist and Buddhist neighbors, which are fun until they turn kind of sadistic and a little bit rapey. The hijinks get so uncomfortable that it's practically a relief when the hopping vampire finally shows up, although he's followed by Yun Hua playing a campy gay palace official who embodies pretty much every gross stereotype about campy gay Chinese palace officials from the Qing dynasty. All is forgiven, however, because the last half of the movie is one massive action set piece in which an unstoppable hopping vampire goes berserk, unleashing an avalanche of escalating chaos in a series of intricate action sequences that topple into one another like falling dominoes. Chen Karlok is on acrobatic overdrive, Anthony Chan acquits himself well as a pompous good guy who's fun to hate, and the action is fueled by one wacky idea after another. Not since the first Mr. Vampire film has the hopping vampire been this scary. The University of Hopping Vampires ask you to join us as we salute all of our graduates.
But what about the rest of your hopping vampire education? Well, outside the Mr. Vampire series, you've got an audit and elective, which features everything from Aloha Little Vampire Story of 1988 to Vampire Settle on Police Camp of 1990 or Haunted Cop Shop 1987, which was written by a guy named Wong Kar Wai, who's made a few movies since then. Now, here are some of the best, or at least weirdest, of the rest of the hopping vampire class. Vampire vs. Vampire, Class of 1989. One of only two movies Lam Ching Ying ever directed, this is an energetic Mr. Vampire knockoff with one big difference. One of the titular vampires <laughs> titular. is a straight-out-of-Taiwan Hello Dracular child vampire, while the other vampire in the verses is a Western-style I want to suck your blood vampire. Lam and his assistants keep the child vampire at home, like a hopping house cat or a Roomba, and all seems well until a nearby Christian church becomes a bone of contention for the local militia who decides that since they've raped all its nuns, they'll burn it down now because there's nothing else to do with it. The surviving head nun, played by famous Hong Kong soul singer Maria Cordero, unearths a secret room in the bottom of the nunnery containing a cranky Euro vampire. She unleashes him to take revenge. Old school optical effects clutter every frame. Hundreds of real life vampire bats are unleashed and punched in their tiny skulls. Lam Ching Ying insists that his underwear be replaced. And after a spooky late night ghost lantern search, a ghost lantern being the Taoist priest equivalent of a drone ship, Lam Ching Ying engages the western vampire in foot to face combat. Unfortunately, being western, the vampire is immune to all of Lao's Taoist charms. So it's up to the child vampire to turn himself into a suicide bomber, hopping into combat in an explosive vest to save the day and leave a single tear trickling down everyone's cheek. Magic Cop, Class of 1990. Directed by ace action choreographer Tong Wai, this update of the Mr. Vampire formula transplants Lam Ching Ying's one-eyebrowed priest to modern-day Hong Kong. He's a country cop traveling to the big city for the first time. She's an immortal ice witch using undead zombies to smuggle her nose candy. He's going to unleash every trick in his arsenal of magic to take down the necromancer who threatens his niece's virginity. She's going to explode in a series of mind-melting fire stunts. Also, a little boy pees on a ghost. Dr. Vampire, class of 1990. Hopping is always a transitional stage for hopping vampires, since by the climactic infight, they've usually limbered up enough to do some hitting and kicking. So it makes sense that hopping vampires were a transitional stage for the hopping vampire genre. By the time 1990 rolled around, Western-style vampires are on hand to sleep in coffins, suck blood, and engage in anatomically improbable sex. While Dr. Vampire may not be the best vampire movie to come out of this wave of films, it's definitely the most xenophobic. Dr. Chang, a Chinese doctor, heads to England for a conference and becomes possessed by an inexplicable desire to wear a cape and lick patients during surgery when he returns to Hong Kong. Did a vampire bite you? A friend asks. Such things happen in Europe, you know. And it turns out that while in Europe, which is portrayed as a dangerous third world country, a vampire lady did bite Dr. Chang. In his balls. This causes complications with Dr. Chang's girlfriend, and things only get worse when Lady Vampire shows up to warn her victim that her vampire master is coming for him because Chinese blood, quote, tastes like ginseng. Lady Vampire and Dr. Chang take time out to have a romantic candlelight dinner at this point, consisting of bloody cotton balls left over after an operation and wet scabs spread on toast. In the end, the Western vampire shows up, shoots laser beams out his eyes, and gets defeated by the power of good old-fashioned Chinese opera. And although the action is relentlessly undercranked, turning the actors into sort of wind-up toys on Fast Forward, and the main bad guy is often replaced by a Chinese stuntman wearing a blonde mop on his head, this is the kind of fast, sloppy, hit-and-run entertainment that makes for a solid B-picture from Hong Kong in its heyday. 
It may be cheap and messy, but no one's going to go home feeling like this movie didn't try its hardest to give them a good time. Crazy Safari. Class of 1991. A legendary motion picture. Crazy Safari will go down in the annals of cinema as one of the greatest films ever made. This motion picture tells the story of Lam Ching Ying, who goes to South Africa to help a client retrieve the corpse of his venerable ancestor for reburial on Chinese soil. As they fly back to Hong Kong, the corpse turns into a hopping vampire and falls out of the plane, only to be discovered by Cao, the actor and African bushman from the 1980 hit The Gods Must Be Crazy. After encountering evil monkeys, having his leg swallowed up to the thigh by a snake, and fighting a rhinoceros, Lam Ching Ying and Cao team up against evil poachers, at which point Lam Ching Ying rides an ostrich into battle. I'm not sure I can convince you any harder that this movie deserves to be in the Criterion Collection. By 1991, audience had seen a fully produced dance number with baby hopping vampires, a vampire baffled by farts, and a child vampire playing baseball with a human skull. It took a lot to get them engaged. The hopping vampire genre had nothing new to offer them, and so it died in 1992 and has only experienced a few brief twitches since. If you want to watch any of these movies, you won't find them on any streaming service except maybe YouTube. Lam Ching Ying himself died in 1997, and with him went any hope of reviving the hopping vampire genre. These days, Hong Kong is reunited with China, and it's no longer the city it was, which means it can no longer produce a true hopping vampire movie because that was truly a Hong Kong genre. Like Hollywood's pre-code films, hopping vampire movies existed in a brief, beautiful window of time, and even though we'll never see their likes again, we'll always have the memories of a bouncing baby vampire child in a suicide vest blowing Dracula to kingdom come. Thanks for the memories, hopping vampires. And thanks, too, for all the farts. That was your very first Saturday School for Hopping Vampires. This has been another thinly disguised attempt to get you to buy my novel, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. This edition of Saturday School has been written, produced, and narrated poorly by me, Grady Hendricks. You can find out all the stupid things you ever want to know about me and follow my ridiculous social media streams at gradyhendrix.com. That's Hendricks with an X, because my mom wanted me to have to spell it to people 500 times a week. Tune in on Wednesday for the next official full lesson in Super Scary Haunted Home School. This week, history. Until then, stay off drugs and stay in school.